0: Coming to you from my apartment in New York City, where things are getting better every day. This is the Sea Change Podcast, and I am your host, Ellen Mahoney. Today, we are speaking with Ian Sajdev, the head of school at the International School of Monza in Milan, Italy. That part of Europe was hit first and hit hard. Ian walks us through his journey from hearing about the coronavirus in faraway places to all of a sudden finding it on his doorstep from immediately adapting their school to an online environment, and then quickly shifting priorities to faculty, parents, and student well-being. His story has been inspirational and featured in Quartz Magazine a few times. We are so excited to have Ian here on the podcast. Before we get started, I want to remind everybody that you can find resources and support around mentoring, advisory, well-being, social-emotional learning, and transition support at our website at www.seachangementoring.com. If you're looking for COVID-19-specific related resources, we have a tab there just for you. Okay, without further ado, let's get started. Ian Sachdev, it is so nice to have you on this podcast and thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, it's, uh, it's, it's a real, real pleasure just to be able to share a few, uh, few reflections and learnings from our journey.
0: Excellent, I can't wait. So for the members of our audience that aren't familiar with your school, the International School of Monza, can you just tell us a little bit about the, the school?
1: So the International School of Monza is, a, is an international baccalaureate school and it's, it's situated right on the outskirts of Milan uh, in Northern Italy, um, which, which makes this case perhaps an, an interesting one to listen to in the sense that it is like right in the, the heart of, of, of Europe's red zone, if you like. Um, we're a relatively small school, um, we're about 270 students, uh, about 45 staff. Um, and so we're a we're a community that I consider myself first and foremost to be very, very fortunate to be to be part of.
0: And can you describe a little bit about the culture of the school?
1: So it, it, it serves as many international schools, it serves a mix of of local families, of of expat families, all with their own motives for, for joining the school, but the schools Commitment to its um, values and and international outlook is what what drives us more than more than anything else. You walk in the school and the first thing you see is the the sustainable development goals running up the staircase, and you know that's just to give a sense of of what the whole curriculum and everything we do is really really about.
0: And just to to help us keep everything in perspective before we dive into some corona talk, what what week are you in as far as campus closure?
1: Um, the fact I have to pause and think about it. <laughs> isn't it? Um, we are now in six, seven, eight. Now we're moving into week ten.
0: Week ten. Okay, so let's just think back. You know, I mean, over ten weeks ago, do you remember the first time you heard about COVID nineteen?
1: So I don't remember the first time I heard about COVID-19 and I think I'm probably not alone in that in the sense that you don't realise how big and serious it is until it turns up on your doorstep.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it, it nearly did turn up on our doorstep in the sense that the, the first part of, of Europe to be, to be hit was a town 20 miles from, from where I am. Um, but even then, even, only, even it being so close, 20 miles away, you still think, okay, that's another town, they've locked that down, it's, you know, it's, not, it's not gonna get to us. So even while that town was locked down for a few days, life here just carried on as, as normal. Yeah. Um, I do remember, on the other hand, the, the day when it, we got to the point where suddenly it's, it's, it's got its teeth into quite a bit of the region. Um, And the first one of the first legislative decisions was to was to close schools Uh, So schools were kind of the first thing to be to be hit. Um, And I guess different to maybe some other parts of the world, we we didn't see the storm coming. It wasn't like a, a wave that was passing through the continent. You know, we were the first first area of the continent to be hit. And so we got notification through on a Sunday afternoon and it was actually the last Sunday of our midterm break. That we wouldn't be allowed to open the next day, wow. so that I remember very very clearly because I was remember I was I was in the I was in the Alps enjoying myself skiing at the end of midterm break and so that I certainly remember very clearly. Suddenly yeah. figuring better better get in a car better get back to the city and uh, and and figure out how to set up a virtual school uh, overnight.
0: When you were you know when you realized okay we've got to set up an online school as quickly as possible, do you remember what your expectations were and maybe what your priorities were you know in the first week or two
1: so I think that right back at the beginning you, you, your thought is that this is a short-term thing we yeah. will we'll need a quick fix for a couple of weeks so so long as we we get some kind of schedule in place with some lessons happening and some continuity of the of the curriculum for a couple of weeks that that will be fine two weeks in you, you realize this isn't Something that's going to be a couple of weeks, it's probably going to be a couple of months. And a couple of months down the line, you're thinking, well, actually, maybe it's going to be longer than that. Man, let, let's just hope the tech works. Um, number Great. one, and, and if the tech works for a couple of weeks, we'll we'll be okay. So that was that was sort of very early days, and it, and it did. I mean, we were, as I said, we we found out on a Sunday afternoon, nine o'clock on the Tuesday morning, we went live, and it it just all worked, and I couldn't actually believe it all worked. Um, <laughs> the sort of thing I think most schools always have headaches about. Um, yeah. And we're no exception to that. And, and this time it just everything worked exactly as it should from a from a from a tech perspective. Um, so those were the those were the early expectations.
0: Yeah. And then one of the reasons why um, I was interested to have you on the podcast is this moment for your school where you decided to make well-being a, a real priority. Um, I think it may have been week three. So tell me more about that. I mean, tell us about how the needs of the community changed, and, and about sort of your decision making um, around prioritizing well-being.
1: So yeah, I think it's fair to say about week three is when we we felt that you know we were beyond those first two weeks I mentioned, where it was let's just carry on with the curriculum, and suddenly as soon as the realization sits in that this is longer term, um, well-being shot to the the top of the agenda and. Interestingly so, I think it was it was almost as if teacher well-being shot to the top of the agenda first before mm-hmm. student well-being did. You know, we've got a lot of teachers who, you know, maybe on their own, they're juggling their own kids at home, they're living in a country which is not theirs. Um, so they don't have those natural support networks around them the, the nature of the lockdown here as well is is not like it is in in a lot of Europe at least in the sense that it, it's very severe you know you can't, right. you can't you can't leave the house and so yeah the, the teacher well-being sort of shot up to the, the top of the agenda straight away and i've got no issue with sharing the fact that actually your resource and sea changes you know 10 10 tips for, for educator well-being um really really helped um, and, and I say that above all because I I personally felt there was so much noise out there in terms of people trying to offer advice about how to address well-being of teachers, of, of students and I, I actually found that that noise was creating more uncertainty and more anxiety and so just to have that really nice succinct little list of you know 10 really simple things to follow really really helped guide the, the teacher well, well-being side of things and that's still our reference point today and sometimes i feel quite bad you know I'm, there's a lot of people kind of offering to help and offer their ideas and i'm, I'm having to get give a little bit of pushback sometimes and say no no we're, we're okay the strategy's in in place and it's what and it's working and then taking those 10 aspects if there's you know one of them somebody wants to dive into a little bit more and they do a week after that is is probably when we then sort of uh you know okay we've teachers we've got a strategy in place now Now we've got to get one up and running for the for the students we're lucky and i'm consider i'm very lucky that we've got just um a team of really human human beings at the at the school and, and a lot of people who they would never admit to it but they they really are experts if you like in in making sure students are doing okay and so we, we kind of pull together and and again to try and cut through the noise Um our, our school counselor for instance we collaborated with her on setting up um, just a kind of a, a go-to portal for for teachers for students and for and for parents as well because that's a whole other side of it you know suddenly yeah. parents, parents are coming to the school looking to the school to help them with their well-being and that that's that's new for us
0: yes uh, that,
1: that's not something that we've ever had to deal with before but parents are really really looking for that kind of support so again that that kind of that that portal that those three parts of the community students parents and uh, and teachers can go to and it just tries to be quite synthetic in its offer and not offer too much stuff because as i said i just really feel that almost makes things more complicated
0: i think even for myself, all the resources, all the webinars, all the advice um, can be really overwhelming. And it's hard when you don't have a lot of time and you're hustling to keep everything together and keep the boat afloat, it really can be a time suck. For schools, using one voice, keeping the language really clear, uh, with the community helps everyone to keep their sanity, um, but I have a question about if you don't if you're comfortable answering. Um, what are some of the the bigger well being needs that you see with with students or parents or or with teachers?
1: So I think to, I'll probably focus on on the student aspect of that. Okay. More than anything Out and it's it's been one of the biggest challenges of the virtual school is that you you don't just spot when something's not quite up you know you you, you can't see that that facial expression or when when somebody's particularly quiet one day and and so that that required quite an articulate strategy in terms of making sure that there are there is the space for those students to to come into Um, so again another one of my colleagues came up with the idea of saying anybody who we, we feel they're there's cause for some well-being concern about. We've just gone and created a, a little private group for them on the online collaboration we're using. We're using Microsoft Teams, but it could be done with, with anything else. And it's just them and their teachers in that group, them and all of their teachers, whether it's two teachers or 10 teachers, depending on what part of the school they're in. And just so they know that at any any point in the day, or night they can reach out pop a message in there somebody will get back to them and 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 just you know make sure everything's all right and um, so mm-hmm. that's been that's been I think one of the just to give quite a specific example of one of the biggest challenges in terms of you know you, th- those quieter kids that you're not seeing every day uh, mm-hmm. in the hustle and bustle of school and and what's kind of a, an outlet for them to get to get in touch with with school whenever they need.
0: So Michael Nakbar, uh, the executive director of Global Online Academy, was on our podcast a few weeks ago, and he was talking about when his organization moved from a physical space to an online space. So you know, before the pandemic, they already had a 100% virtual space for work. And he was saying that one of the things that you need to do is you need to think about what are some of the moments that you lost when you went online that keep us human and connected and and hold our culture together? So it could be, you know, walking down the hall and being able to kind of look into classrooms and smile at this amazing teacher, really engaging the kids, or it's maybe, you know, in the lunchroom where you get to catch up with um, a colleague of yours, you know, organically. So as, you know, you're week 10 now, have you been able to do anything with your online learning experience for your community that helps to replicate maybe some of the things you lost in the physical space in terms of connection or culture?
1: So aside from the, um, perhaps the more obvious things that perhaps a lot of schools are doing, like you know their weekly community get-togethers to do some fitness or yoga or pub quizzes or whatever it is, that that's all happening, but just something really, really really simple, which I find personally, I don't know if I speak on behalf of everybody, but personally something that I find is, is really great is just insisting on the use of video. Simple as that. When you when you make that connection with somebody as much as possible, you, you, you try to replicate what it might like be in a school. and as you say you're walking around, you pop into somebody's office or whatever. You don't you know you don't send them a, a, an email or you don't make a phone call or whatever it is. You just open up a video on the screen and you're seeing them face to face and i i find that's something very very simple and it's something that i s- insist upon a lot saying you know, it's videos on all the time as much as possible yeah. um, but i find that it helps that that human connection immeasurably
0: yeah absolutely i mean we know that from, from from the research on online counseling when video technology was first created and introduced to the public counselors and psychologists started looking at it as a tool to use to reach um, clients that might not be able to come in in person or might be nervous to come in or maybe you know had anxiety to be out in public or something like that and at first there was so much pushback that there's no way you could connect and be there for someone you know virtually and it's just not the same as in person but actually the the research shows that 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 just has not turned out to be the case and that um, know depending on the type of person if they're able to read social cues then you know you nodding your head and smiling is encouraging me to connect with you and and you know we can see each other's emotions and we can respond that way and in some cases you know i've heard from teachers that they feel even more connected to certain kids than they were before have you heard that at all in your campus
1: in your school um i'd even speak for myself in the sense that i before this took over our lives I was personally quite resistant to video calling people. I've never been somebody who's really done (laughs) too many WhatsApp videos and FaceTimes and stuff like that. It's just, I've always felt a little bit uneasy about it, you know, when you're kind of laying on the sofa and having to relax, (laughs) you know, you haven't got your face on and all that kind of thing. (laughs) um, But now that it's been forced upon us, I have to admit, yeah, it's been, I actually found from very early on I was connecting with colleagues in particular far more than I almost was before simply because you can have a a face-to-face conversation with somebody in an instant there's no you know walking around the building for hours on end trying to find somebody or and, and giving up and sending them an email kind of thing so yeah absolutely absolutely on the same page
0: I love that. And it makes me think about, you know, what are we going to keep when we get to come back to physical campuses and things start to become, you know, more quote unquote normal. I was just reading today that Milan has been so one of the positive things that has come out of this is the um, decrease in car related pollution in Milan. And I was reading today that they are now the city of Milan is is trying to come up with some sort of a plan to limit cars in Milan and make it more pedestrian friendly. Um, So that's a positive thing uh, as we think about what the future might hold. So when you're thinking about the lessons you've learned over these 10 weeks, what do you hope you keep through all of this when you get back onto campus?
1: So I think a a lot of responses to that question are probably talking about tech and how tech is going to change education but my biggest takeaway from this is the complete opposite. And it's actually just how important those human connections are. And so, or like just this morning, I was speaking with a colleague of mine and we were talking about how we really need to make sure on a weekly basis, almost, even if it's only for a short time, but there's space for the whole school community to to come together and do something together. And one thing I've been reflecting on this week is how this whole process has actually brought parents and teachers a lot closer together Um, and how we can really use that the power of that potential moving forward to create a a far more holistic and almost blurry educational experience that moves from school to home and back again um, where parents become our, our real real partners in it.
0: If you could see me right now, I am am aggressively nodding my head because I I agree, I've been thinking about that a lot and I get really excited about it. I think, you know, right, right before this pandemic was happening in the social emotional learning spheres, there was sort of the beginning of a trend to start thinking about in, in more creative ways, how to genuinely bring parents into the learning experience. Almost as co learners and co teachers and um, and that that was really kind of a missing piece in social emotional learning and that if we didn't bring them in as true partners, then we were never really going to fully get to our social emotional learning goals. Uh, which i hundred percent agree on, and it's been really interesting to to kind of watch the role of the parent unfold in all of this and,
1: and, and now the challenge is we we have to harness that this this has thrown such an opportunity at us and and we we can't just let it slide by when when we are out of this you know a lot of people are talking about you know, a return to normality and well, i don't know i don't i don't know if that if return to normality is the right thing i think there's there's a lot of opportunities that can make things a lot better than they were before, so It's uh, hopefully it will be a a new and better normality.
0: I agree. And not to put you on the spot, but have you thought about how do we sustain the positive changes? You know, how do we harness the moment and not go back to our old ways? I I don't have the answer to that, but it's something that I've been wrestling with lately.
1: I'm not sure I've got the answer to it either.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping you'd have the magic bullet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I think just that, you know, it's an opportunity has been handed to us um, Families suddenly realize what an amazing breed of people teachers and educators are. And I just think that that the fact we've got a foundation of trust to now build on means that I almost feel we can we can probably take bigger risks moving forward than we have done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and risks in a, in a good sense you know trying some exciting educational stuff and who knows you know maybe even saying we're not gonna do loads of exams and tests and we're gonna think about a new way of of, of doing assessment and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and and maybe more uh, you know parents whose educational system was more traditional themselves you know might might give us the trust to, to actually try some new things. So
0: just to um, conclude our conversation, you know, we're we're thinking about the future, but just to kind of capture the moment or even reflect on the past 10 weeks, what are you most proud of when you think about your community?
1: The real peak, if you like, in in adrenaline and pride was that first morning in terms of we actually pulled this together in, in, in record time. That was, I call it the peak in the sense we we got to that peak of pride very, very, very quickly. But now I look, I look back, you know, 10 weeks in and the moment that I'm, I'm, I'd say most proud of it's probably come a little bit in waves in the sense that where we have hit a little bit of a moment of high stress, we, that's when we really pulled together as a community and came through it stronger as a result. And there's been two or three of those, I'd say, over there over the period. And and the fact that each and every time we've we've come back stronger than we were before it, um, gives me enormous hope for for the weeks, months, years ahead.
0: That's beautiful. Well, we're just all I think so many people around the world have been cheering on Italy and cheering on Milan and the the humanity that um italians are are kind of known for has really reached into our our hearts and um, so i'm just wishing all of you the best and i'm wishing the international school of Monza the best and i also just want to thank you for prioritizing well-being um you know during all of this and holding on to those lessons for the future it's uh, been very inspiring for me to watch so thank you
1: Thank you, Ellen, and thank you really so much for for your own guidance and and ideas as well. It's been hugely hugely appreciated.
0: Oh, thanks. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Sea Change podcast. We are working on a special series around mentoring in international schools and the role that those relationships have played in supporting the learning and well being of students and faculty during this time period. I'm really excited to be sharing those stories with you as we find the school community understanding more than they ever have before the importance of connectedness and relationships in our communities. If you like this podcast, please follow us on Spotify. Please share with your educator friends and let us know what else you want to hear. Until we connect again, this is a reminder for you to take care of yourself as you take care of others. Thank you for what you do.